besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range. Loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. New ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill. They get the clear, Lynch fell over, but still kicked the goal. Essendon proves its worth as a finals contender in the finest of interstate victories as the Crows collapse in revealing fashion. All the wash-up from a memorable Friday night upset. Really, it's as simple as I've had my crack at it. It, it. it hasn't worked. It's time for someone else to have a go. Yeah, I thought I'd take it on and, um, you know, I get six weeks to, you know, get back in the saddle and see what happens. You know, I've stated my intention to, to want to be a head coach again. Um, you know, they're obviously aware of that. I hope that everyone else is completely aware of that. I haven't uh, interviewed yet or anything like that. And um, the board's been great in keeping up to date with whatever's going on. And um, I'm just business as usual again. I'll be recontracted until uh, 2023. And, uh, and hopefully all our supporters are happy with that. Tension in the coaching market intensifies as Alan Richardson goes, Luke Beveridge stays, and the auditions begin. We'll go through every coaching contract and debate what the future holds. That footy club at the moment, uh, given what's happened over its seven or eight year existence, and I would have thought it's worse place now it's time for the AFL to, to do something strong. And I'm sick of hearing about, oh, they need to give them one priority pick yeah. or whatever. They need to pull multiple levers. If they're going to be in the competition, by the way, I never thought they should have come into the comp, but they're in the comp. Um, I think they have to have a priority pick. This is a club that is there for the long haul. They're doing their job in, in growing our game up there. This concept of them being a two-year time frame is just is not, is got no basis, in fact. Against the calls to cut losses and get out of the Gold Coast, the AFL reaffirms the long-term commitment. So what do the Suns need to become a stable football club? Chief Executive Mark Evans joins us. 
This is the round 18 edition of Crunch Time for Honda. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50 and the new ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill. It's a glorious morning for Bomber fans, the best they've had in many a year. The road to the finals is opened up, a compelling performance, a 51-point swing. And now Essendon, unless something goes horribly wrong, will return to the finals and see if they can rectify the all-too-long path since they have been successful at the pointy end of the season. Jared Whateley with you, Dermot Burton with me. Glorious for Bomber fans. For those who regard them as the dirty rottens, it's a little <laughs> bit of a sobering morning, Derm. Uh, how good are they going? This is not music to my ears, but uh, for a team that has been out of it for so long and uh, they haven't won a, a, a final for for so long. It's a wonderful, wonderful uh, display of just how even the comp has become and how good Essendon have, how well they have turned it around since a couple of uh, mediocre performances earlier this year. They've got some weaponry at their disposal. Are they as good as the, the big three up the top end of the ladder? Gee, I tell you what, their best footy's not far off them, is it? So... We've seen a lot of teams surprise late in September. I think they're going to play now. It's tough for me to say. <laughs> I think they're going to play finals. Ten, yeah. ten and seven. They were three and five. They've won six out of seven and four in a row. The first time they've won outside Victoria for the season. A 51-point swing on the night. <laughs> Unbelievable. It, uh, watching it, and I was sitting there uh, uh, with my partner and we were chatting away and... Oh, can Essendon win? I said, can Essendon win? I don't think Adelaide can win from here. You're just early in the final quarter. It had been happening for 20 minutes of football or so, but they had just lost their run. They couldn't hold the ball in the forward line. They couldn't run out with Essendon. They couldn't restrict them through the middle of the ground. And it was real shots at goal, whereas Adelaide were relying on, you know, a contested mark by Greenwood or a, a snap goal or a, a, a long goal from outside 50 to try and uh, impact the scoreboard, whereas Essendon's play was, it was real football and it yep. was movement football and it was it was something that Adelaide couldn't deal with. They, they've got some issues in their makeup of their personnel on the field. It was a performance that demands re-evaluation for Kane Corns. The Bombers have been a tease. Kane, welcome back to crunch time. As, are you sliding the ledger on them? Uh, well, Jared, it's a, I know we, we can be prisoners of the moment a little bit, but in terms of any team and wins and where that ranks, it's it's right up there for me. I, I go back to the Carlton win against Fremantle away from home without Cripps and Kernow, and, and last week probably Collingwood when, when Darcy Moore went down and, and their win under pressure. But when you factor in last night, no ruck. They didn't even have a backup ruck. They lost hitouts by 18, clearances by 22, I think it was. The captain was on one leg. Danaher's not there, Hurley's not there, Fantasia's not there, Devin Smith's not there, and, and the coach is under pressure. It's a mini-final being a, a basically an eight-point game. It's it's as good a win from any team um, this year, in my opinion. So what does it tell you about character and, and buy-in and the sense of the collective purpose and mission? Yeah, I just thought there's some significant moments. I mean, Dylan Shill and Dyson Apple started on the bench. I know a lot of people will say, well, 
Yeah, that doesn't mean anything in modern footy, but but I think it does. I, I don't know what the, the message was there. They started there often in the start of the quarter. I know Heppel was on one leg, but I just thought some coaching moves as well. Was Hooker going to start forward or back? He started back, but went forward. Um, and, and just how good Adam Saad and Conor McKenna are going this year, um, I think we need to start giving them the credit they deserve, particularly Saad. If you look at his... Uh, scalps that he's got this year. I think it's one of the more difficult positions to play on the field defensively, but then what he gives you offensively. So he's definitely all Australian for me. And, you know, they've got all the pieces. I, I, I just don't know the strength of, you know, the bottom part from sort of seventh on the ladder to 12th, how strong it is and how far they, they can go. And I, I think the real test, Jared, comes in September for, for the Bombers. For me, it's still got to win a final as a pass mark, but... Uh, they're in a really good position now. They're an interesting couple, aren't they? McKenna and Saad. Saad can probably lock down on his uh, small forward a little better than mm. McKenna can. Not to say that McKenna's not good at it. But McKenna, I think, is even more devastating when he runs forward. Saad's a nine and a half out of ten when he's running mm. forward the footy. McKenna might even be a little bit more because he's so wildly unpredictable. That little... He went to kick the ball and he turned it into a sidestep and kicked the ball back to himself, like the Irish call the solo. We yes. saw that when we played against them. That is completely and utterly unpredictable in our game. You cannot coach somebody <laughs> to tackle the, the player doing that whether to border the, the, the hedge, the, the bet, and smother or play off or... You just can't predict that. It, it, he's completely unpredictable. And the ball moves forward beyond where that smother or tackle should have been completed. It, it, he's, he's quite an extraordinary mm. and unique uh, commodity as a running backman. And, Jared, you'll get to Josh in a minute, but but teams know it's coming. Um, but it's very difficult to shut down Saad when he's doing a job on bets. I know West Coast with Hutchings tagged Saad a, a few weeks back and did a pretty good job and had some success. But Adelaide knew what was coming last night, but stopping it is another thing. And I'll put it on the record, I gave them no chance last night, Essendon, none. Oh, it was my certainty for the week. If I had one bet of who was going to win last night... It would have been Adelaide. So I was wrong. I didn't pick it and, and uh, underestimated the Bombers last night. So at halftime, I thought, oh, gee, we've got the right blow because Josh Jenkins had absolutely put a stamp on the first half. Adelaide, so until late in that term, looked well on their way. Uh, so it's a sobering morning, Josh, as you return to crunch time. Welcome. It is, Jared. Good morning. Yeah, I uh, certainly considered sending through the text message as I laid in bed <laughs> and staring at the ceiling at 2 o'clock in the morning and... Uh, <laughs> Thought I might just skip this morning, but you've got to front up because uh, footy has plenty of ups and downs and sometimes you've got to tip your hat to the better team and Essendon were clearly better than us on the night. So do you have yet an idea in your mind as how it changed so wickedly from 30 points up? Uh, not not, not really. I, Kane and I were just speaking before we came on air of... Um, you, 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 almost, you don't want to, but you need to go back and watch some of the games so you can be informed about what actually happened because it's very difficult to play the game and be acutely aware of, of what went wrong and how it went wrong. You think you know, but you need to actually sit down and watch it. And I watched some of the game last night, which was hard to do, but um, I sort of feel like I, I'm, I'm obliged to because, you know, Monday morning we'll have a leadership meeting and we want to talk about what happened. And if you, if you don't watch the game back, it's hard to know. So... Had a bit of a look at it and try to become a bit more informed. Could you feel the swing? Could you feel the moment you went, whoa, this is getting away from us? 
Yeah, certainly. Um, I think, you know, Essendon or any team that you, any opposition that you face, they're entitled or that you should expect them to make runs at, at different stages. It's AFL footy. You're not just really, are you just going to, um, you know, kick kick 12 out of 15 and you just carry on and roll along. Um, so we weren't, we shouldn't have been foolish enough to think it was going to be exactly like last week. But um, even at three-quarter time, you, it's a bit of a shock to the system, but you should come in, home deck, Everyone in the stadium's cheering for for you guys, and you've only got to win a quarter by one point. So you shouldn't even at that point be too stressed. But clearly, we just had no ability to arrest the momentum. I felt for you in the uh, fourth quarter, knowing you're coming on today. The ball went out to the half forward flank, and it was a, a not a one on one. You were the first Johnny on the spot from the Crows, and the person you were chasing was one of those speedy brigade we've just talked about. And seeing you try to, you know, we've all got our skill sets and yours isn't, you know, chasing yeah. down a speedster. And yet you were you were one out. It, could you feel that it was difficult to hold the ball in the forward line in the last 45 minutes or so? Yeah, it was. That, that, and that's one thing I you don't really need to go back and watch it a second time to... To know that was that was really affecting us. I, I felt that was an it was a it was an issue for us at half time and and said as much to to the forward group as we as we got together as a as a line and just said you know we've we've got to we've got to work harder to to get more numbers to those contests. We kick it kick it long to a contest and and the ball spills and they're able to to really run at us and charge at us and you know four guys four Essendon players really running downhill if you like towards goal is became impossible for us to stop. The defenders, you know, have to charge back to goal and um, it's a very difficult difficult situation to, to find yourself in and we found ourselves in that in that in that position way, way too many times. And as Kane said, we knew they were gonna bring it. Um, but I guess credit to Essendon, we, we we were sort of powerless to stop it. Because you, your your game plan uh, pre-game for what you came out with in the predominantly most of the first half, I thought it was fantastic. I saw more run by, handball receive, play on footy through the midfield from the Crows than I have for many, many games. And it, it, it got, it mean the, meant the ball arrived in the forward line with a disorganised Essendon defence. And you guys seized on that opportunity for shots at goal. You didn't put them all away. And that worked well. But then it, it, when it swung there was no real ability to keep that ball in there as we spoke. I thought the game plan was good. Yeah, and, and that's the challenge of a game when, when the momentum's against you to not go into your shell and not say, OK, we, we finally got the ball back, let's just chip it around and, and, uh, and kill a bit of clock. You, you, you sort of need to still have that bravery to say, well, they've attacked us now, we get the ball back, let's attack them back. And um, as you said, when you can win the footy, dangerous parts of the ground and we, we had opportunities the defenders um, aren't set you really need to take that take that on and, and really attack them and we probably we probably when we got the ball back in the in the third quarter we, were, we just wanted to exhale and say thank Christ we got that footy back instead of saying well you've had your turn now we got it and we got to attack yeah, drop so, the hammer. Yeah. yeah that's right so that's what we went away from and that's something we've been good at in the past so we'll have to arrest that so, Josh, we're going to talk about your team, so it will seem rude, so you can just take a back seat for a moment. <laughs> so, nine and eight, Kane, that's the fifth loss at home. 
the first performance of the year revealed that the Crows were plain. And I think if you look at their whole body of work, they are playing. They're an 8, 9, 10 team, and that's ultimately where they're going to finish. Pretty much, Jared. I read a tweet last night. I won't claim. I think it was from Darren Park and um, from Croc Media. He said since the grand final loss in 2017, they're 10th in the competition for wins. So they've gone 21 and 17 in their last 38, and they've only had six wins against top eight sides. So essentially Adelaide, and um, and you're right, it's it's uncomfortable with Josh to, to talk about it right now, but they're, they're in the pack. They're a mediocre, middle-of-the-road side who are ageing, Jared. So that that's the issue as well. I think they're... Well, they are the 18th um, in terms of... They're the oldest side out of any of the 18th going Their midfield's imbalanced, 18. though. It Jane. is. It is, Derm. And so um, I think the Crouch brothers uh, play a role and there's been some commentary, can you fit both of those into the same midfield? You can. You, you definitely can. But, but they're conscious of the others around them, I think. That's why Smith spent some more time on ball and was terrific last Miller, night. Right? That's why yep. Miller is going in there. But to have Crouch brothers, Sloan, Greenwood, Ellis Yolman when he's in there, it's not a mix that works. And and O'Brien's a big sort of lumbering ruckman who's, who's doing a good job and was Adelaide's best player probably last night. But So that mix and the lack of speed through there is probably an issue. But for me, it's, it's probably the age demographic. I mean, they have been all in since 2017. And you can't really blame them, can you? Because... For me, they were the best side easily in 2017, home and away. They're, they're unstoppable at times and the best forward line in the comp. So you don't blame them for going to get Gibbs and, and sticking with the, the, the environment that they've got and trading away some experience to get some draft picks in, knowing that they're ripe to go now, but it hasn't eventuated. So what now for Adelaide? Um, they won't worry about that now. They'll, they'll focus on qualifying for the finals because that's still realistic. But... At the end of the year, they got some some big question marks. I mean, uh, Walker and Betts look 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 to me like it's coming to a very quick end. I mean, the Texas sideways movement is off, and he's not having any influence around the ground like he used to. Eddie Betts, the same, has been trending that way for a couple of years. So, a lot of players over over thirty. Um, so, yeah, there's some issues in terms of what they do at the end of the year and, and how they rejuvenate this list. There you go, Josh. Jump ship and come to Hawthorne. <laughs> <laughs> Very <laughs> similar boat. <laughs> Hey, so no way. <laughs> can they get to 12 wins? They're 9-7. They've got Carlton in Melbourne, St Kilda at home, West Coast in Perth, Collingwoods at home, and the Bulldogs over here. So it's they're, they're knife's edge as to whether they get to their 12 wins or not. Purely based on the ladder positioning, and they are a team that seems to beat those below them, struggles with those above them. There's two wins there. They've got to beat one of the other three teams who are situated somewhere above them. It's entirely possible by the final round that the Bulldogs and Adelaide will be playing for one spot. Mm. So mm. that, what about their, their second halves? So David King put this uh, on the radar before the game, that 3-5 that to 10-3 against West Coast, 3-4 to 7-6 against Geelong, 1-3 to 9-9 nine, nine against Port, and then last night, 3-5 against 10-3. Is Once they lose the thread of the game... Um, and those second-half numbers are starting to mount. They are. And, and the, the thing for me, just so dominant around the ball last night. I mean, numbers extraordinary. If, if you gave them those numbers before the game, you'd think, well, Adelaide Adelaide by five goals easily. So that, that's the issue. And just watching at home, and, and Josh might be, we might be able to ask him about it, but it just felt like Essendon's intensity. And I don't know, there's something intangible. And, Derm, I love it when you speak about things like this. It just felt to me that Essendon 
wanted that one more. I don't know what that is about, about that and why that is because it was such an important game for both teams. Crows playing in front of 50,000 at home, uh, season on the line. They would have been fifth if they won last night. I, I don't know, but it felt like Essendon were just a bit hungrier last night. There is, we're seeing more and more now, and it's becoming real and, and tangible that teams on the road have the siege mentality, don't they? Mm. And the other thing that we notice with them is, unlike if you're playing in your home state, you do all your training, you tick every box, and you do everything you can to prepare correctly. You go home after the final training session before the game, and you turn up. And you live a little bit of your life before that game and you turn up and you tick every box and you do all the preparations correctly once more. And you go out there and you give it your best. When you're on the road, we're seeing more and more, it's almost becoming like the Americans travelling road show where they play several in a, in a row and they're so well versed with it. You are at the beck and call of the coaching staff 24-7 when you're on the road and you go to a destination 24 hours and in some cases 48 hours before a game. You are totally in the hands of the football department at their call and they, whether you like it or not or, or, or realise it, they're programming you for that upcoming game more so than if you're in your home state. So there's that real siege mentality where it's us versus the world and we're seeing more and more teams win on the road in what used to be <laughs> defiant um, spaces where you mm. just could not win away from home. It's it's becoming uh, more the norm. You couldn't miss the buy-in last night. Dyson Heppel obviously played under duress mm. in his own way. He described his foot as a bit ginger. Is There's obviously he's going to play. It's a description until, from the 70s, yeah, isn't it? And yeah. He's going to play until it goes on him because mm. that's how he feels about it. They knew how undermanned they were. Uh, it was hugely admirable and it says a lot about their coach. It says a lot about the, the galvanisation that's happened probably from a point where most had given up on him. And that's going to be our, our feature debate today and our major discussion is the coaching landscape. And we'll start with the two coaches from last night after the break. John Worsfold, it wasn't that long ago that it was stated plainly in the Herald Sun that the die was cast. If they didn't make the finals, he was out at a time when it looked like mathematically that was they were up against it. Was that three and five at that, that stage? Well, that was it was in the lead up to the Thursday night against the Giants. And that game, they, they were oh, beaten yes. in that game. And the surge that they are able to put up, they've done it on multiple occasions. So to the coaching landscape with John Worsfold, Don Pike and beyond, we will do that after the break. This is crunch time for Honda, introducing Honda's 50 years limited edition range. Search Honda 50 and for sublife at Subway, try the new ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning crunch, crunch time. time. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range. Loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. New ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill. No coaches' fortunes have changed more rapidly than John Worsfold in the past month. From a point of, well, being said to look down the barrel and mounting his own defence publicly, 
A result that could have gone either way against the Giants, a close run thing against the Swans, the narrowest of wins over North Melbourne on essentially the last fine kick of the game last night, though. A compelling performance offshore going and beating the Crows at home. And it lifts them to 10 and 7 and has them with an eye towards the finals. In fact, it would take a significant stumble for the Bombers to miss from here. So on crunch time, as we launch into the, the coaching landscape and debate every coach's position and where their contract stands, Kane. At Essendon, John Warsfold has the contract through until the end of next year. It was mooted that they had to make finals, that there might be a trigger in there. It was a contract signed at the start of last year in March 2018. Does he now have the imprimatur to follow through what he's been saying publicly? He's there for the long haul to build the next Bombers Premiership team. Uh, I'm not prepared to make that bigger statement yet, Jared, but I'm happy and comfortable if I'm Essendon exactly where he is with his contract. So I don't think you need to do anything drastic with that. He's contracted until the end of 2020. We've seen clubs jump early on that. Essendon aren't one of those. They won't do that. So he's every bit let this season play out. Uh, I think, as I'll say again, a pass mark for the Bombers with what they've had, particularly if they get some of those star players back, is to win a final. And then you make a call on him, you know, just before the halfway point of next season, I would have thought. So reassess round 10, round 11, mid-season break next year. So they should go into next year with a coach coming out of contract at the end of next year and, and not move before you know what next year looks like, in my opinion. Oh, I'd love to hear Josh talk about this, but I don't think he's going to be allowed to. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not in the business of sacking coaches. So, uh, you just sit I'm tight, like, Josh. We'll get to every coffee. Yeah. <laughs> you wait, Josh. When you play your last game, mate, the world will change, my yeah. friend. <laughs> so if they were wobbly, they're surely now settled, aren't they, the yes. Dons? Yeah, the thing is, their game plan has always been what it what it is. They were just mm. getting knocked over and sometimes you're not in great form. Sometimes teams aren't feeling in great form themselves as a, as a one entity and they drop games. They get their best players back and they start playing better. They are doing the things they set out to do in terms of game style. So that's a tick. Is it is it the type of football that will knock over the big three if the big three are playing their best football? That's still a huge question mark because you're in it to win premierships. You can, you can be in it and improve, and that's wonderful. You can be in it to make finals, and that's wonderful too. If you've been out for a while, you, it's part of the journey. But essentially, we all exist to win premierships. It's bloody entertaining to watch them. I'll give them that. Is it the type of footy that wins premierships? We, we need to see it against the, clearly the best guys in the comp. Don Pike was re-signed in the aftermath of the grand final. Uh, he's there to the end of 2021, Kane. There's no tension around that position at all, is there? No, I don't think. I mean, there, there's some pressure that comes with that, but uh, he's got the security of that long-term deal. So my biggest frustration at the moment with the landscape of it, Jared, is, is coaches being contracted when they don't need to be. So it, Port Adelaide and Ken Hinkley are exactly the same. Ken Hinkley had a year to go, and I know you'll get to Ken in a moment, but same with Don Pike. A year to go after the grand final, and they jump early and give another three years. The Western Bulldogs have just done the same. Melbourne have done the same with, with Simon Goodwin. What is the benefit of clubs doing that? I, I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. If he wasn't contracted until the end of 2021 and they didn't jump and give him that three years, then 
there would be significant pressure on, on Don Pike, and probably rightly so. Equally, Ken Hinckley. Um, equally, Simon Goodwin. So I, I just don't get the benefit of clubs. I know people will say, well, if, you've, if he's got one year to go and there's three coaching jobs up for grabs and, and he can go, a little bit like John Longmire was, was threatening to do, I think. But... At the end of the day, clubs have the power if your coach is contracted. So I think it was a mistake for Adelaide to extend Don uh, after that 2017 grand final result. I can only, I can only think, just why do they do it? I can only really think of definitely one, maybe two coaches in the last 25 years who've been actively poached. Mm. Ross Lyon comes to mind. But out of 18 a year by 25 years, and you do the maths on that, that's <laughs> somewhere around 400 years of uh, coaches coaching games. Only one, perhaps, gee, did, did Northy get poached to go up north? There are a couple of coach swaps now exactly how they landed. But the, the, can so you the, take us through it, Jared? Because I, I, I'm... Yeah, so I can. It's got the a live it. case study is Luke Beveridge. There yep. were definitely two interested parties in Luke mm -hmm. Beveridge. It doesn't mean they were going to poach him or going to sign him. There were definitely two interested parties. So the Bulldogs have the decision to make. Is He has one year to run on his contract. Do we want to protect our guy? Is he our guy? And therefore we'll wait or ward off any interest, any temptation. Well, that's the decision. Is or, he our guy? Yeah. yeah. And so the Bulldogs make that that calculated decision. And yesterday they re-signed Beveridge to the end of 2023. I've, I've so been can, I that, can I debate that with you, Jared? Um, uh, I, and I understand that point of view, but he's contracted. So the Western Bulldogs have to do nothing. He, he might come to them and say, look, I want out. I've got this deal from, uh, let's just pluck a club, Carlton. I've got this deal from Carlton. They're offering me this. I've got one year to go. I want out. I want to go to Carlton. The Western Bulldogs say, no, no, no. Uh, you're contracted. You signed a contract. You're a man of your word. We're going to hold you to that. Carlton then can't, it's not like a player, Carlton can't then say, well, we'll wait a year and we'll, we'll get Luke Beveridge in a year's time when he comes out of contract. Yeah. Someone's got to coach them next year. Uh, you can't have a recalcitrant coach, though. So as soon as the coach comes to you and says, I want out, you have to let him go. Has that ever been a case, though? I, I, I can't. I don't think so. I, I, you're in the wrong caper so if there been, is. You've been in the boardroom. Is the coach says, hey, I'm done. I want to go and coach it, someone else. You can't go. The one thing I will oh, say. By the way, we're going to hold you to your contract yeah. for a year. That's the, ridiculous. The one thing I will well, say is we, we get a laugh Kelly, at, about talking about you know people who say, oh, they can't cop the heat from the media. Boardrooms are filled with people who don't like heat from the media, who don't want to be questioned about, oh, why haven't you overlapped his contract? They seem to be <laughs> as good a group as any who don't want any media scrutiny as well. And that's where a lot of these overlap coaching scenarios come from in terms of tenure. So, Kane, with, with Beveridge, is mm. there are still dues from a premiership. I, I mean, it, it, yep. it's inconceivable that he could finish up at the Bulldogs before there was another contract. Okay, yeah, so so let's go through that one then. I, I agree with you, and I've said, I said that yesterday on, on the captain's run on your show, Jared. but... If you look at it plain and simply, since the grand final result, so home and away they were 11 and 11 when they won in 2016. They then won four finals in a row. We know that, and win the flag of five finals in a row. Since then, 27 and 33 since the since the 2016 grand final. They've missed the finals for the last two years previous to the grand final, and then they're probably going to miss probably I say probably this year. So that's three years in a row. If next year they miss the finals for a fourth year in a row. Mm. Would you then extend him for three years? I'm saying there is no way you'd extend him for three years. So why jump now? What? Why not wait until you've got this guy for 18 months? He might be your guy, but what's the benefit of the club 
doing it now. Let, let's wait till round five next year or round 10 next year and then and then go about re-signing him. I just don't get why they jump so early. Yeah. And so well, there's I merit the, in, the last in that, Kane, years of, yep. if they were... So you take the coach into the last year of the contract next year, say they're two and six, you mm. can't re-sign him. Mm. So... Don't, you, you do have to make the decision at some point, don't you? Was, he Colin, is Colin our guy, it, otherwise we risk that we, there's just no... There'll be no logic to re-signing him. But Colin, Collingwood did similar uh, with Buckley, and he was he was out of contract. They lost their first two, Collingwood. The pressure, pressure's building. I I think it can galvanise a group, and I think it can go the other way. I, I just don't... It, it might be you, you re-contract him. It might be for two years. I just think this has got disaster written all over it in the last 18 months of that deal that sees him through until the end of 2023. I'm, I'm happy to debate it, but that's yep. that's my opinion, and I wouldn't have uh, gone so early on that one. So the other coach who's benefited in this buyer's market has been John Longmire. The two, the, again, he's got the same terms to the end of 2023. Yep. Were the Swans and Longmire right, Derm, to recommit? Pickers did it beautifully. Yep. Yes. Uh, Was it the right call? Well, that, that's their call, uh, and that sounds flippant, but if they believe that's the type of football and the and the, and the the stewardship he has in the direction of the football club, yes. The sources of tension coming up, uh, Ross Lyon, Leon Cameron, Ken Hinckley, those who might be heading to the last year of a contract one way or another on crunch time. Uh, Russell Barwick for Unibet. Get footy fill-ups every week at unibet.com.au. Russ. Morning, Jared. Morning, fellas. Uh, just having a look at Russ. the games today, I can tell you it is probably one of the biggest goes we've seen all year on any game of sport, that is GWS and Collingwood. We put Collingwood up at $2.10 earlier in the week when uh, uh, the Giants were about $1.75. It's now flipped on its head. The Pies $1.75, Giants $2.07, and we can't write a bet on the Giants. So everybody thinks that this is a, a litmus test for them and that the Pies might just put pay to any hope of a top four spot that they might have. The early games, Richmond dominant favourites $1.34, Port Adelaide $3.25. And nine, ten and a half the line there. But what about this? Thirty-four and a half start the Suns against Carlton. I know they've turned the corner, but anyone prepared to take a dollar fifteen Carlton? Good luck. You've got more money than I have. Suns five dollars forty. They've only won, uh, lost two games by uh, under a goal or around seven points, but they haven't put teams to the sword for a long, long time. So I'd be loath to take that. But plenty of options on the website. Also, the golf very quickly. Tommy Fleetwood, uh, he's $6.50. Lowry, $7.00. Brooks Kepka, the same price. And if you backed Cam Smith to be the leading Aussie, well, you can collect because he's the only man standing. Uh, the only bloke to make the cup. $34 to win the tournament, even though he's only two off the lead. Unibet.com.au. Download the app. Gamble responsibly. We'll talk to you later this afternoon, boys. Get legendary tips on At Odds with Junior Fletch and Hammer. Watch the latest episode at unibet.com.au. After the break, will Ross Lyon be at Fremantle next year? This is crunch time for Honda, introducing Honda's 50 years limited edition range. Search Honda 50 and for Sublife at Subway, try the new ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning crunch, crunch time. time. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range, loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50, new ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill. The intrigue and the manoeuvring in the coaching ranks saw the contracts. Jared Waitley, Dermot Burton, Kane Corns, Josh Jenkins will be... He'll be part of the conversation, but just not part of this. It's not fair on the current play. Biting his tongue. So for Fremantle, Kane... 
uh, next year's the last year of Ross Lyon's contract, end of 2020. Do you think Ross will go into next year in the final year of his contract? Will he have a contract extension or will he be elsewhere? He won't. He, I certainly don't think he'll have a contract extension. Um, so will will he be elsewhere? If, I mean, if it turns ugly in the last six weeks, I don't think it's unrealistic to think that they may part ways with Ross uh, and he, they will go in with a new coach. I, I don't think that is out of the question. I think it's unlikely, but not out of the question. So I think it's a big six weeks for Fremantle, to be honest. I've been um, so disappointed in the last four weeks. So I think they've been the most disappointing side in the last month out of anyone in the competition bar Gold Coast. So, no, there's certainly some big pressure on Ross. And, um, uh, it, you know, I, I, I think he'll coach there if I had to put money on it, but not unlikely to think he may not be there at all. Uh, yeah, echo. Kane there, I think he'll coach there, but uh, I agree and concur with everything he said about it. Yeah. So what if Carlton do come hard at Ross with the long-term contract against the last year at Fremantle? That, that depends how uncertain Fremantle feel about him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's dependent on this last month and a half of football. It, it is, yeah, yeah, we're we're reaching. and they've they've just lost another key forward as yeah. well. So, I'd love to know how Carlton feel, Carlton fans feel about that. I mean, what will the reaction be of a Ross Lyon coming to the club? I think that is a, a, probably a win-win win, a win for Ross, a win for Carlton. I think he'd do a good job there with a the young list, and then I think Fremantle would be would be happy to give them his blessing to go to another club and they can move on. So, could work for all parties, but I'm just not sure what the reaction would be from from Carlton fans whether he think whether they think he's their man. The thing with Fremantle is they have definitely shown signs that they are headed in the right direction. Their best footy this year on occasions, and as I say, on occasions, has been bloody good, real good, and it shows signs that they are on the right track. We've got six more weeks of footy left for them. Oh, that's my maths going. Yeah, yeah round 23. Um, do the club, does the club, speaking the board, the policy makers, do they believe the next six weeks coupled with, coupled up with the previous three that we've just had, is that real Fremantle form or their good games during the middle of the year, is that their real form? They have to weigh that up, and that and that will tell you where they go. Leon Cameron's out of contract at the end of next year, so he'll go into the last year of his contract at the Giants, I suspect, on trial. I, I yep. can't see that they would extend before then. Agree, yeah, agree with that, Jared. I think that's that's one of those ones, isn't it? Where there's going to be some pressure around, and once again, that the last six weeks for them is big in terms of this year, and then well, they've probably got a probably got to get back to a prelim, you would think, or certainly really up towards the business end for him to to go again. A little unfortunate. Um, it is the two best games of previous seasons we've seen is a preliminary final between the. GWS at home against the Bulldogs. They got pipped by the eventual Premier and gave the Premier more curry than the grand final opponent. And the next year, the Richmond v GWS game, they ran Richmond pretty hard. They got done by about four goals in the end, and you'd say it was a comfortable win, but they had their moments on that stage where they were, even in the stands, they were outnumbered 92,000 to 1,500. And they still gave Richmond a little bit of the shakes, whereas, uh, unfortunately, the Adelaide Crows couldn't do so after quarter time on the big dance. They've played in those two games and shown that they are a darn good team. Things have dissipated a little bit since then. They've lost players. And we keep viewing the amount of good players that have left the club. But every time a good player leaves, 
a Taranto grows into a third-year player and the likes. A Hopper grows into a four-year player and they seem to rejuvenate. What we do see a lot of the time tends to be um, talent-driven success, Cameron up forward, Kelly through the middle, and they trust their backman led by Phil Davis to win one-on-one more often than not and hold up the fort at the other end. There will come a time where I think Leon will actually go, right, you know what, this is how we play and we lock down in this fashion a bit more in a systematic ploy. I'm sure they have their systems as well, no doubt about that, but they will need to become more of a process-driven club and then at the moment release the hounds and just watch... And just watch the talent uh, just swarm. Ken Hinckley's contracted to the end of 2021, but at the time it was suggested that there is a performance trigger that brings the last year into play. Do you think, Kane, there's uh, any mounting pressure around the Hinckley position? I think there's certainly some pressure. I see him in a similar boat as Don Pike, so very similar stages. The only thing that probably gives Ken a bit of an out this year is the young players that they've brought in. Um, and I think, on the whole, he's done a pretty good job. I mean, if you, if you looked at the, the list turnover and the, the young players they've debuted, and if you said they'd be in ninth position, I would have thought that's about right. It's about where I saw them at the start of the year. The only um, counter to that is they've beaten some of the best sides and then have performed shockingly against some sides they should have beaten. So some pressure comes with that. I think he's fine to head into next year, and then it's one of those ones where you weigh it up at the halfway point of, of next year. But there are some, some real pressure from a passionate Port Adelaide supporter base in Adelaide that are starting to get pretty restless Jared it hasn't it's been since 2014 they've won a final and not a lot of final success since that period uh, and finals performances I should say you'd so there's some pressure that, with that yeah you'd imagine to get 2021 they have to make finals either this yep. year or next agree with that he's, yep. he's on a journey though as well Ken uh, yeah. he's learning as he goes there when he first came in he had a lot of these what I would call funky little coaching tricks that he he, he went with and sometimes they caught teams out but when when the opposition had viewed them and scouted them and prepared for them, they didn't come off. And, and even last week, saying he was going to hunt Lockie Neal, uh, and he sent his boys out there with a charter to do so. They got it a bit wrong. I didn't mind the, 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 the thought behind it, but it had to uh, um, have a, an off switch to it as well. So as a coach, he's still learning in the seat as well at the highest level. Simon what Goodwin I would say was, to that, yep. so just, just can I just, with Alan Richardson, um, Jared, I would, don't be surprised at all if the phone call hasn't been made to get Alan Richardson back. Him and Ken came in in 2013, Richo in a coaching director's role, and it's as good a partnership as I've seen. And Derm, to that point, Richo would, would make sure Ken didn't do things like he did on the weekend in the media and, and put that on the agenda. So... I was a massive rap for Richo in that role, and, and don't be surprised if Boss mm-hmm. goes, Richardson comes back to Port Adelaide. Simon Goodwin was re-signed in March to the end of 2022. So this cane is either the masterstroke or the coaching extension because it would be hard to sign that new contract now given the results. So it either gives you the insurance to get you over the, the year or it's the mistake that you make and it weds you for too long. Mm, well, and this is my point when it comes back to the beverage example. I know there's more credits for Luke Beveridge. I get that, you know, premiership and the hero that he was during that time. But but Goody, we thought they were tracking a similar path, didn't we? The bomber, uh, sorry, the demons. And at the time he signed that extension, you think, yeah, that's that's reasonable. But it, it can it can fall away very very quickly. And if they have a similar season this year to what they did the next year to what they have this year, then it's going to get ugly. The coaches who are, are safe and locked in in their position. So Chris Fagan to the end of 2021. I suspect 
there was probably the idea of bringing him in and then finding a, a successor. He's going to be a long-term coach. He's going all right, isn't he? Nathan Buckley has signed at the end of 2021. Chris Scott has locked away to the end of 2022, which was the source of some angst in August last year, and yet he's got them top of the table and two games clear. Stuart Jew still in his first contract. That It's the end of 2020, so as a matter of course, that would become a, a two more years as a first coaching tenure always tends to be five. Alastair Clarkson, 2022. Now, that was signed in October last year, so that was eyes wide open. In all the discussion that goes on, Derm, is there any scenario at all which has Clarkson somewhere else? I don't think he now is... I would, uh, but got to be careful to use the word. Now, I, if ever there was a chance to lure him with money, I think that's less relevant now. It would be challenge, and I think he's... He set his mind, heart and soul on the challenge of rejuvenating a club and being viewed akin to Kevin Sheedy, going through several eras and winning premierships with two totally separate playing groups. Damien Hardwick is locked to the end of 2021 and Adam Simpson with uh, the new contract that was before the final series last year. He was signed at the end of 2022 and while a phone call was made, as he uh, he knows his commitment. So those are all the active contracts as they are. The, the sources of tension as the Warsfold tension has eased. The lion conversation, I suspect, happens at some point and Leon Cameron and Ken Hinckley go into next year on trial. I have to pick you up too. There was one you had a... You, you love to have a go at some of my terminology, but I just wonder how sinister your mind is with wedded for too long. Crunch time. The award-winning crunch time. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range. Loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. New ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill. It might have been Essendon's best win under John Walsfold last night. 21 point victors over the Crows in Adelaide after trailing by 30 points. They set themselves up for a run at the finals while the Crows... Uh, they're in a battle to see September from here at nine and eight with a set of tough games ahead. On Crunch Time, you're with Jared Waitley, Kane Corns, Dermot Burton and Josh Jenkins, who was part of the action last night. Feeling for Josh. He's just Quite sitting there at the moment, twiddling his thumbs, saying, I wish I could talk, but I'm not allowed to. The coach will get into me if I do. How are you travelling there, Josh? I'm good. I reckon uh, I've just picked the. Uh, I reckon I've just picked the eyes out of the quaddy at Flemington in the last <laughs> ten minutes. So I'm 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 quite happy. <laughs> How do you reckon, Josh, when the time comes to analyse the game, the clearances are 50-28, and Essendon scored 79 points from the back half? What's that going to look like in review when that's laid out? Yeah, I I sort of wrote down a few stats. It was so you know plus 18 hitouts, plus 22 clearance, plus 30. Uncontested possession, if you offer those numbers up to us at the start of the game, then we're, we're pretty certain we've not only won the game, but probably convincingly. And so there's clearly going to be some um, uh, some repetitive errors that we've had. And I think that's what I alluded to earlier, of allowing, that, uh, allowing Essendon to run downhill at us and not be able to really lay a glove on them. Shield and Zach Merritt, McKenna, Saad, you know, those guys... Doing what they do best and um, our inability to take that away from them basically at any stage. A takeaway for me from this was if you look at the way teams play and the personnel and we just go straight to the midfield in the, in the final quarter, 
in front of where the where we assume that the commentary box is and if you're at home you you look through the eyes of the camera directly down on that boundary line in front of you adelaide had the ball and they fed with a chain of handballs backwards to a man sitting out the back of the congestion and that happened to be matt crouch he then ran on onto his left foot which he 99% of the time does. But even though he was the last man out there by himself, he was pressured because he didn't have the foot pace to get away and, they, and, and Adelaide's midfield doesn't have anyone there from that sort of central position in the ground with foot pace. They've got a little bit on the outside with Seedsman and, and Smith, but Crouch was pressured and he kicked the ball out bounds on the full. A couple of minutes later, same wing, same situation, ball is pressured, Essendon win it, and Stringer gets it. And it was just obvious that it could have easily been a couple of chain handballs fed out the back. Same sort of play, conservative play to get a good kick away over the traffic into the forward line. Stringer came out the front way. And he used pace, and the fact that he got pressured in the end, the kick wasn't great. But his man ahead was playing in front, and it hit him on the chest. It was a hack kick, but it hit him on the chest. The fact that he had pace to get away from the traffic said that they were always going to be brave enough to come out the front side of the, of the pack at that stage of the game. And that's a personnel make up now there's nothing that you can really do about that this time of the year because their pace is uh, and you know everyone needs them outside players but they're on the outside for adelaide and it said to me that they just don't have the leg speed in the middle of the ground that is required late in a game and and that's not their fault that's just well it's not the players fault that's just what god's blessed them with i wonder on the essendon side of things whether those who are sceptical or even pessimistic about the John Walsfold regime have reformed their view across the past four weeks in particular, but maybe six or seven weeks more broadly. The Star 21 open line, one 736 736 Star 21, your world, endless possibilities. What have you come away from last night with, Kane? Well, all of that, I, I think um, I, I enjoy when Derm analyses the game. I thought there was some significant sort of one-on-one -on -one crucial moments in the game last night from some players that you know aren't, aren't massive names in the competition. There was one inside defensive 50 for the Bombers last night. It was Parrish mm. and his ability to take a ground ball in traffic and then mm. give it off quickly with sharp hands. I thought, wow, I haven't seen that from him for a while. And I think his improvement this year is something that they would be really pleased. In season with. two, yeah. Yep, and no doubt. I thought I thought Francis maybe had his best game for the club. He, he was terrific in the back half of last year, the last six games, but then has faded and has been, you know, I guess has found his troubles from going from forward to back, but I thought he was significant. And then just the likes of Gleeson. I mean, I mean, he's he's tough. He's crazy. Not much of him, but a couple so of times remind he you went of Dean Laidley? He does a little bit, doesn't he? But yeah. may, maybe, with, with all due respect to Dane, maybe with just a touch more um, class. Oh, I don't know the way that he uses the ball. And um, and we've mentioned McKenna and Saab, but um, th th there's just been some players they found. And then for Brown to be the match winner last night, I mean, this is a guy that didn't cost him a lot, but he was probably, in my opinion, with O'Brien, the best man on the ground last night. So just some individual performances last. I mean, Snelling comes in for his first game and plays a role when he was playing Sample at the start of the year. So there's just great stories across the game last night, and that's why I thought it was just such a significant win. We'll work a couple of calls in as we go as well. Phil's with us in Hoppers Crossing. Hello to you, Phil. G'day, boys. A very happy Eston supporter. 
Good on you. I, uh, <laughs> I, gave, I gave us no chance before the game, but uh, two things stuck out for me. Uh, in the three-quarter time huddle, sorry, after the, the halftime, the Adelaide players were in a huddle and they were all laughing and joking. And I thought, hang on, these blokes are going to get beat. And the other thing that, I, that fascinated me was I think that is there anybody better than Tipawadi running at full pace, able to scoop up the ball without making a mistake and then turning and delivering a perfect pass to one of their players? No, he's very good at it. Yeah. No, there's, a, there's a few. It's a unique capability that very few can do. I can think of a bloke called Josh Kelly who is probably the best at that. But, but uh, yeah, he's a, a unique talent, that is for sure. Good on you, Phil. Josh, was there any mirth out on the ground? And, and do people from the outside look look for too much in those moments? Yeah, probably, yeah. I think Richmond have been lauded for mm. um, telling jokes and those kinds of things and in huddles. There's so much tension and um, in AFL footy, you sometimes need to lighten the mood and, um, yeah, there wasn't much to that. What time. was the joke, Josh? No, it actually wasn't a joke. So it was Rory Atkins is, uh, was given the turn or the, the, the uh, responsibility of, of uh, getting us ready for the second half and he just sort of stuttered and, and mumbled his words first time speaking in front of the group so that's all that was it's funny you say that because if you go back and look pre-game and you go into Essendon's huddle they did exactly the same thing this is before the games even started there's vision of that from the broadcast last night they're, they're all cracking up but right before the game so I mean if they had lost we'd probably be having a crack at them so I don't think there's too much in it you're lucky you understood him Michael Tuck used to take his teeth out and not wear a mouth guard I <laughs> did not understand one word he ever said at the breaks not one <laughs> star 21 your world endless possibilities one 300 star 21 Shane's with us on the road welcome Shane hey gents how are you good good uh, look, just want to touch on something Derm just said about Matt Crouch being at the back um, and then turning the ball over under pressure. I'm a, I'm a Carlton supporter and, you know, I, I see Bryce Gibbs, he's one of the best ball users, you know, going round. If, if he can't fit into that side when they're turning the ball over so consistently, then they need to do the right thing by Bryce and get him out of there and give him an opportunity to play AFL footy again. I think that'll happen, Shane. Yeah, I, I wonder for Bryce as well, you, you come home, you've got a couple of years left on a deal, you come for family reasons, and then to uproot yourself, if it's not Port Adelaide, I mean, where does he go? So I think it's easy to say, well, he'll find somewhere and someone would have him, but it's a big call for him as well uh, to make, and it's, it's unfortunate because he was supposed to be that missing piece in, in the puzzle in the midfield, as Shane says. Josh, I'm curious, um, is there a level of frustration? So you would have expected coming into this season that the Crows would be better than nine and eight would be my guess that you'd pick up the journey of 2017 we all know what happened last year has it been is part of this season jolting is it frustrating striving for more but not being able to quite get it yeah yes and no because i think at some point you have to accept um you are where you are in the ladder because that's about where you're at and we're, we're probably just you know, we perhaps we we had some call it hope because it, that's, I guess that's all it is at the start of a season. We'd hope we would be um, higher up on the ladder, but your performance dictates where you are. And I think um, what's more important or what's what's more pressing than being frustrated with where you are is actually dealing with where you are. So we, we sit, I think we sit eighth, and we just got to deal with that fact. And we've got to strive to improve so that we're uh, you know we're, we're we're ranked in that top four, five, six, and at the moment, 
we're eighth. That's where we deserve to be, and that's where we sit. Would it have been unthinkable for you at the start of the year that you had missed the finals again? Uh, well, we didn't make it last year, so we weren't. We're not entitled to to just think that we're going to pick it up and 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 finish back in the top two or the top four or even the top eight. We 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 certainly expect and and feel we've got the capability of of making the eight, and we've still got a great chance of doing so. But no, I don't think I'm feeling entitled to to uh, to miss the finals one year and then just expect to walk back in the next would be probably foolish. Shay's with us in Bendigo. Hello to you, Shay. Okay, Jared. How you going, guys? Loving the show. Good on you, Shay. I just, I just wanted to mention. Um, I, I was one of those Essendon supporters that's frustrated at the start of the year. But watching the team last night, I really feel like Wush has got the team um, believing in themselves, and they've they've grown out of that like the issues from the start of the year. I think he's like a really good leader of men, not not just a coach, but you know, uh, just a really good leader, a mentor for everyone. And uh, I think he's doing a great job. Yeah, Shay, I've not been coached by him, but I would call myself friendly with with Woosh. Jeez, uh, he's knocked me out once, but he's <laughs> a good bloke. Um, yeah, he's a ripping fellow who men gravitate towards because he's a man's man, he's solid, he's staunch, uh, and, and he's got the coaching staff around him. He can give him all the nuances, those modern nuances of the game that people say, uh, you know, you hear this terminology, oh, the game's passed him by, blah, 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 earlier in the year. If you haven't got a coach's box who can't give you everything of the what the game has, has moved on with, you've got the wrong coach's box filled with the wrong people. He is a genuinely good, solid citizen, uh, a ripping guy. So, uh, yeah, concur with you there. And coming from a bloke who he knocked out. <laughs> and he, he came across, you know, when, when, when we lost Phil Walsh, John Walsfold was the one that that came in and, and, and was that guiding light for Scott Camprioli, who took over um, for the last sort That's of right, seven yeah. or eight games. He was the guy that came in and, look, he didn't work He didn't work with the whole playing group. He probably didn't have time to get to know everyone, but the guys in the leadership group and the, and the, the other coaches say, you know, he was the one who, who sort of not kept everyone on task, but just, just steered the ship ever so subtly in the background and, and helped us stay on task and we ended up winning a final so he he was able to be impactful in a short time with us are you surprised that scott camperiali's rarely mentioned in the broader coaching discussion kane made a compelling case for him earlier in the year and yet when the the lists are cast his, his name is is really there i'm i'm not i'm not certain kane if he's ever really um, openly put himself out up for, for up for a job. I don't know if he's ever interviewed or ever seeked an interview. So um, perhaps the reason is he's never really sought a job. Might, I think he might be leaning towards it. Um, I think that's what I get. And you're right, he's been reluctant, I think, in the last few opportunities that have come up because of business reasons. I think he might be free from those business obligations now. And I think he's really decided that he wants to go after it. And, yeah, I'm a bit surprised, Jared, when, when you look through the resume and the job that he did under the most difficult of circumstances at Adelaide and the resume that he's got. His name certainly hasn't but hasn't been brought up. There's a few in that boat, though, isn't there? I mean, the likes of Adam Kingsley and Brendan Laid. I mean, there was some warmth towards them, but now they seem to have slipped back in the pecking order. It's, it's, there's not many jobs, and it's competitive. Mark Evans is about to join us. Gold Coast have been a major discussion right throughout the week. All manner of theories from shut them down to give them the suite of help that they need. The AFL's uh, right in behind its idea. They denied that... Um, any of the institutional flaws are theirs from the outset, which I think is a, a, 
debatable point. So the chief executive is about to join us. The, the, the concept of bringing in a player like Sean, Sean Burgoyne, does that appeal to you, Kane? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I think um, cause, just because I've got some first-hand experience with, with Chad and his role at the Giants and he went up there with Dean Brogan when, when Chad thought he was finished. I mean, Sean doesn't share that, that sentiment. I think he wants to play 400 games. I think uh, Robbo said on 360 during the week. Jared, so he doesn't share that. Chad thought he was gone, and uh, I think the most enjoyable time of his footy was those two years at the Giants where he played a significant role in helping the youngsters. So absolutely there's merit in it. Mark Evans is with us, the Chief Executive of the Suns. Mark, welcome to Crunch Time. Uh, thanks, Jared. You're a bit stuck in traffic. I'm not used <laughs> to the Melbourne traffic anymore. So, uh, There's a couple of weeks every year, it seems, that the course resumes. Cut our losses, shut the Gold Coast down. Now that you've been there for a little while, do you find that disrespectful, naive? What, what's your attitude when that when those rumblings gather momentum again? I certainly regard it as naive, but I'm also not silly enough to realise when you have two bad performances like that, that the question, those questions will come. But um, I'm, I'm quite happy to tell people what the strategy is. And when we, we told people that last year, um, I think most people thought we were, that was the right strategy for the time. Now, we're coming into the start of this year, we thought there would be times where that would be tested in terms of what you see on field and actually very, very happy with the way the boys and the, the coaching team have performed for the vast majority of the year. The, the strategy, just in a nutshell, is to go to the, the draft over consecutive years and get high-end talent to bring players in from other clubs, uh, whatever age, mid-year, mid mid-career or end-of-career, who we think can help us lay the foundations. So that strategy hasn't changed, and, and that will be the same strategy we take again this year. It's just one on the, the biggest picture. Um, there's a deal between the AFL and the Queensland government, which even if everyone decided this was an eternal failure, there's a period of time that this can't be adjusted, isn't there? Well, it's not an eternal failure because when you see what's happening in Queensland around uh, the AFL and uh, the growth of football in local clubs, juniors, the women's program has been tremendous and to have 265,000 participants in our sport in an emerging market for us. Now, that is fantastic. Try and contextualise that, compare that to other states, and you'll be amazed. It would be six or seven times the number of participants of Tasmania. So what it is, though, it's still very, very young in terms of that participation. It's the front end of trying to get them to our game, trying to get them to play our game, to understand our game, to fall in love with our game, to choose a team, to come to the game, buy a membership, buy merchandise. That's a longer road, but it, it's, a, it's a very, very exciting road to be on. So we're quite um, happy to tell the world that that's a very big part of our job. We also know that when the on-field performances uh, become better than they have been over the last few years, that that rise will be pretty exciting. Do you know the terms of the AFL-Queensland government deal? Is I, it 12 years to run? It was, a, I think, a 20-year lease on the stadium with a, a further option, for, I think, for another 20 years, and there would be at least 12 years of that to run. Mm. Do you have in your mind what you'll go to the AFL with? So they've essentially said, well, they've almost sort of publicly invited you to put forward your submission as to what suite of help you would like. Have you formalised that? Not formalised, but I can tell you what it'll be. We will uh, again present to the AFL what our strategy is, and that will be about acquiring young talent through the draft, 
acquiring mid-career players who we think can help us and even potentially finding a Luke Hodge type that can help establish the right culture and set up the right things for the club to, to develop on. And we've then, off the field, built a really, really strong department of support for players. We're trying to fast-track their development. We're trying to create good leadership. We're trying to get them to commit to our club. So that strategy won't change. We will again present that to the AFL and almost say, give us a report card on that. Do you think we're doing the right things and do you think we've got the right people? If you don't think it's the right strategy, well, then, then let's debate that and we'll change it. But we genuinely believe in this strategy. Then we'll say, um, is the AFL keen to look at ways that they can assist that? Because we believe there are some inequalities in the system that might need to be addressed specifically for the challenge of the Gold Coast. Recognising there's lots of things, dozens of mistakes in the past, and we'll, you know, we'll continue to make a couple of mistakes into the future. But do you believe in the pathway that we're going to set here? And is the competition open to providing some help towards that? Would you benefit from more money in the soft cap? Well, you, I guess you would say we would benefit from anything. Last year, we got some state league players, and that is a small benefit. There are other things that we think could be larger benefits, but we will be talking mostly around, I think we're trying to prove two things, the strategy and the people and what we're trying to do. Number one, do we believe that there is some inequality in the system that could be addressed? Uh, we used to have a, a mechanism there that was um, automatic, and that incentivised the wrong behaviour. So we don't have that system anymore. Now we just have an application to the Commission, and so we'd be silly not to do that. So that's the priority pick? Well, whether it's a priority pick or whether it's any other form of assistance, last year that was assistance was given by way of access to State League players. It helped a little, but we'll, we'll be presenting a, a case, I think, to say uh, lay open the, the bare bones of the club and have a look at it, and if you're impressed with that, you think that's on the right path, then what are the other ways that we could help? Would you attempt to make the case, if you, if you have pick one, would you attempt to make the case to get pick two? I don't like the fact that this, this meeting with the Commission will be six or seven weeks away, and I don't like playing it out because we haven't formalised internally what it is. And uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes something gets floated uh, six weeks out and then we spend six weeks shooting it down. I, I would be more interested in uh, us getting, with our board and our management, the right structure to our message and, and then present that to the Commission. Kane with Mark Evans. Mark, have you been forced to overpay your younger players to keep them? And has that put pressure on your salary cap? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question, Kane. Um, I'll just backtrack one step before I answer that. One of the parts uh, that people don't understand of the strategy was we've decided that we had to clean up our player payments. Uh, for a whole lot of reasons, some at the Gold Coast hand and some not uh, uh, really from the Gold Coast decisions, our salary cap had got way too tight and was over full and we, we had some back-ended contracts. Because of the position we were in last year, we decided to very aggressively change that up so we can get the cap into a, a better position to then build something for the future. One of the reasons why the, the cap was under such stress is that I think we're probably forced to overpay for players at all levels. Young mm. players, uh, guys who are genuine stars that you're trying to hold on to. And if you're trying to attract a player from another club, it came with a bit of a premium. So mm. we, that, that comes down to uh, our strategy. Do we, uh, how hard do we go on those things? Uh, whether we try and come up with some internal protocols as to how we manage that. But it is real. I know other clubs have felt it in the past and we certainly feel like 
if you are outside of Victoria and towards the bottom of the ladder, then the, that's one of the ways that you, we were solving contract discussions was by paying a premium. Mm, yeah, because for the outside supporter that, that sees, you know, you haven't finished above 12th in the, in the entirety, so how have you overpaid players? I can understand you've done that to keep them. I guess there's a cultural issue with that as well because I think essentially you want players to stay because they want to play for the club, not because you're going to pay them the most money. I mean, how do you go about fixing that? Well, you will have seen it, um, Kane, when clubs are successful, that uh, people will take a, a haircut just to stay. Mm. It's the, the success is, is more important than, than the money to those players. Um, but the, it, it ends up being an individual negotiation with each agent around each player. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think we've probably had to fend off others. Uh, but you, eventually you do want the, the playing group to say, I'm staying here because I'm committed to this program and uh, I can see that it's going to deliver the things that I need it to deliver for me as a player. Um, I've got good coaching, good mateship and a good chance of success. Good luck this afternoon, uh, Mark. I just wanted to ask, we played up on the Gold Coast last weekend and you know you go we went up early because the weather's fantastic and you go for a swim in the beach how do you balance the the draw i guess using that to your advantage of come up we've got a great lifestyle the climate's fantastic but not not letting that affect the professionalism of young players and how they need to conduct themselves what's the balance of the lifestyle versus still needing to be a, a full-time pro i think in the long run those things will actually work well for us i mean you would you would know the difficulties that uh, an environment like adelaide can throw up yep. um, yes it's a, a manic football state but sometimes you need a little bit of a release and escape from all of that so i think once we solve all of the other things and give a good chance of success. I think that could work to our advantage. At the moment, um, I think uh, the young players, they spend a lot of time at the club. They're not, it's not like they're sitting on the beach every second day uh, wasting their time. They would just be like any player at any other club where they get a couple of half days off here and there. So, and that should still work to our advantage that that's a good release from football. Is the Brisbane comparison that's been made this week on, of what the journey is, is it like for like? or are there institutional differences despite the geography? Um, I don't know enough about it to, to be categoric. I would say that a couple of years ago, three years ago, we heard the same story from Brisbane and um, uh, they've managed to cleverly work their way through that. And that's uh, great for us because we can see that it, it can work. And uh, um, first of all, they did really well out of their academy program and they got some good young tall players. They still needed some time to develop, but then they got some midfielders after that. Then they've managed to get uh, a general like Luke Hodge to come up. Uh, they've started to show good promise at the back end of last year. Remember that they only won five games last year. I think they were one win halfway through the season and everyone was saying, what's going on? But they were incredibly competitive and in the back end of the year, they started to look exciting. And with that excitement, they can bring in uh, Lockie Neal and others, and uh, and they're going to go okay. And I think it's terrific for Queensland footy, and uh, should be of great benefit for the Suns to to follow that path as well. How many Sean Burgoyne-like names do you have on the list? Uh, we've got a few, but um, all those discussions really you have to get to the end of the year because it comes down to what does the player and his current club want to do, and uh, that's the most important thing for someone like Sean who's, uh, I think he's only a couple of games away from the games record for an Indigenous player. I mean, yep. the, the world should just stop and celebrate that for a moment and worry about those things later. Mark, good luck.
the award-winning Crunch Time. Celebrate 50 years of Honda with our limited edition range. Loaded with style and sophistication. Search Honda 50. New ultimate cheesy garlic bread sub from Subway. Garlic bread, triple cheese, melt and fill. Essendon with one of the most significant results of the season last night at Adelaide Oval to begin round 18. Today, Richmond and Port Adelaide, and that's pretty loaded given the week that the power has had and the momentum that the Tigers are building. And Carlton and the Gold Coast, they're the bottom two, but there'll be plenty of intrigue around what happens under the closed roof at Marvel Stadium this afternoon. This is crunch time in the crunch. We'll delve through all the issues in footy across the week. Jared Waitley, Josh Jenkins, Dermot Burton with you. Josh, let's start with the, the final quarter, the Adam Goods documentary, which went to air on Channel 10 for the public to see on Thursday night. Had you seen it previously as a club? Yeah, we had. So I think every club, uh, is my belief, every club sat down and watched it uh, three or four weeks ago. Yeah, so we'd uh, previously seen it. And I watched it again for the most part uh, Thursday night. What impression did it make on you? It actually, it made me uh, quite reflective. It made me think... Um, about what what was my behaviour like and what did it, what what sort of things did I or didn't I do to have some kind of impact throughout that period? Now, I'm just a, you know, I'm s small fish in a very large pond, but um, still able to influence. So it made me really think about what 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 were my actions during that time. And a lot of us, well, the industry as a whole, sort of admits and says we didn't do enough. And I guess that's what I did. I sort of. Uh, reflected on how I acted and whether there was anything I could have done to have to have uh, been a positive influence in that situation. Did you come up with an answer? Not really, and that's probably the the, the main issue. I think all of us say, um, or all of us admit or accept the fact that we didn't do that much. We sort of were like, "What's going on here? Why is this happening?" And then we um, we sort of fatally accepted it as the norm and uh, the booing's fine and, and this is why it's happening. It's, um, yeah, and we just we just accepted it, that it was just part of it and, and that, that's that's quite ridiculous on reflection, but um, I guess that's the, the beauty of, of, of Adam's courage of being able to, to, to allow this documentary and these conversations to now happen so that hopefully moving forward we're better. How did it leave you feeling about Adam and about specifically what he as a man went through? Well, I think, um, and I don't know, how, you know, people would have sort of just watched it in the background. Some people would have intently watched it. But when we watched it, I, I, I reckon, I truly believe you can visually see the, the difference in his spirit. I reckon at one point he, I reckon he does a press conference uh, beside maybe Lewis Jetta. And I, I reckon you can see in his face that it had just broken him. It had been too much. He fought, he fought it really hard for a long time and he was so brave and so courageous, but it just, like, like everything, the pressure just got too much and, and, that, and that was really hard to watch because the, the, there's been few greater, more, ver, great, you know, more versatile, skillful players in the game um, of any race and for, for him to have to suffer that was, um, was quite, quite hard to watch on reflection. Dermot, did you watch it? I did watch it, yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I come from a different viewpoint. I, you have all those sympathies for Adam and what he went through, and nobody should suffer any uh, racial vilification. Uh, you and I have had this discussion before. Of course, there would be some people who were racially motivated to... And it gets back to the booing saga. 
racially motivated to do that. What irked me about the entire scenario was that there was a broad brushstroke which encompassed everybody who booed for many and varied reasons and just labelled them all racist. I thought that was grossly unfair on a, uh, on a portion of the society that goes to the footy, pays their money, boos, yells, cheers, laughs, does all those experiences, all those emotions, and they have not one racist bone in their body. To, to put them all in the one brushstroke I thought was dreadfully unfair. Uh, the, as a piece of filmmaking, um, it, it was good to open it up to the public to see what had uh, transpired. I felt it was dreadfully one-sided, purely from Adam's perspective, and there was no match like for like in terms of where it emanated from, how, why, the what, the where. Um, I didn't think it was a totally fair piece of filmmaking. I thought it... it it castigated some people against what they really do believe. Uh, it's, some people are labelled as being anti-Adam. Oh. And with that, that, once again, that broad brushstroke makes them racist in the eyes of the filmmaker and those who get absorbed into the filmmaking. Whereas I know a lot of those people are remarkably charitable but, but wasn't it just an encapsulation, term of this is what people said at the time and you have to live with what you said? And a you can absolutely. hold your ground. But okay, oh. but then you get... But then again, and I agree with that, if you want to go, that statement, then you live with what you say. So when Adam came out, and it irked a lot of people that Adam said, this is the face of racism. He said that at yeah, the time. And then given its full And context. then given the second... Okay, so when you have the people... Who, who spoke out against Adam, you must also take into account their full dialogue as well. I don't think it did that. Give me an example. Uh, okay, so it's uh, what it did with my... Uh, I know on my personal level, um, it uh, somebody threw to me about the war dance. So I went on to say, this is the first time I've ever seen anybody do this outside of a ceremonial pre-match routine. Uh, that war dance is to symbolise um, upcoming war and that I, I want to kill the opposition. Now, that is all right in a ceremonial background pre-game. But in match, we've never seen that before. I think if Adam had his time over again, he would do that differently. And I think that's fair to say that. Um, I've had people contact me and say, you don't understand that aspect of it. Well, clearly I don't. And clearly the rest of the world doesn't either because no one else has done it in that context. Now, if there's one group of people who understand the plight of being subjugated, and that's my background, is Irish. It's the Irish. And there's no more sympathetic group of people towards the Aboriginals than the Irish, of which I am one, sympathetic and an Irish background. That, and that's where, if you want the full dialogue and discourse, that's not there. All that was shown was me passing comment when asked on screen about the war dance. So that's what I'm saying. There's not, if you want the full dialogue one way, it has to be for both sides of the, of, of the argument. So when you look at it, Dermot, and what... Adam went through, and Josh has sort of neatly encapsulated that it's hard to miss that during the film. So you're one who might have said, hey, for however this started, let, let's stop it. 
Let stop it. Uh, never, yeah, because I've never booed in my life. Don't don't feel that there's a need to. Uh, if if I dislike so, so somebody, might, I'll take we it. We might a different... have done more for Adam, might we not? I think we're in heated agreement there. I think we're in heated agreement. Yeah, there is there is no problem with that whatsoever. We're in agreement there. Um, there was also another time where. Uh, I was uh, quoted, but paraphrased, quoted, and it wasn't quoted in its entirety. And the poor unfortunate girl uh, who passed away in, in Sydney, the, um, what's her name? Oh, gee, I forgot. I took her to task because she just paraphrased my remarks when I was asked about uh, um, what does Adam have to do and I said well look Adam has done a few things over the past and in latter years he's let himself go in certain areas and he's hurt people and he's he's uh, made a few actions that have disliked and Cyril Rioli slid in feet first he had Josh uh, Gibson miss two games by sliding in feet first he, he injured a boy from Port Adelaide doing it he's now staging for free kicks in the latter part of his career perhaps Adam should have a look first at himself and work out why people might be disliking him on some levels. Now, all they took out was, Adam, have a look at yourself, why people dislike you. That's all they said, not the background. So that's what I'm saying. There's, it's, it was a very simplistic way of putting that film together. Do I feel sympathy for what he went through? Absolutely. If it is racially motivated, I will back him to the hilt. There is no place for that in our game or in Australia. There's never been a better time right now than right now in terms of uh, uh, racial equality in Australia. Do we have to get better? Probably, yeah. A little bit better still to this day. But this is the best this country has ever been. I, I can go back to the 80s and somebody said, and I'm self-confessed, I uh, uh, taunted uh, uh, Indigenous players once because that's what we were taught. In the same time, I had a teammate coming from uh, whose father took his own life and hung himself. And one of the opposition players turned around to, to, to the player and said, how's your old man swinging? Mm. That type of thing, that was commonplace. Now, I'm not trying to say that's as good as or worse than racism, but that's the vernacular of that period. We know now it is wrong, so don't hold today's standards up to yesteryear's uh, um, standards or the lack thereof. We're a much better society now, and we've progressed an enormously long way. Derek Burton alongside uh, Josh Jenkins and Jared Waitley on Crunch Time this afternoon. A whole glad bag of topics to work through after the break. There are no late changes for Port Adelaide and the Tigers at the MCG and the team sheets. We await those under the closed roof at Marvel where the Suns and the Blues will play. The 40-wink Serious About Sleep Ladder update. Any size mattress at the price of a single at 40 winks. Essendon jumped above the Giants and the Crows. They're sixth on the ladder. The Crows should hold their place in eighth beyond um, outside of any sort of huge results uh, from Port. They could feasibly jump in, but it would require a win larger than what we think. And if the Blues do win, it will leave the Suns on the bottom and the Demons can slip back further. They can fall to 17th. Team up with your perfect bed using Bedmatch only at 40 Winks. More on crunch time for Honda and for Subway after the break. The issues of the week in the crunch with Josh Jenkins and Dermot Burton. Josh, as it does seem increasingly likely there will be a mid-season trade period next year, is this a good thing? Uh, 
Uh, well, last time I was on the show, we uh, we had me uh, hypothetically being traded. So, um, <laughs> would you oh, have I gone? Think, <laughs> um, well, we'll see what happens in the next four weeks. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a good thing. I I, I have outlined some. Um, some reservations about having to uh, make a decision on your life, you know, in a, in, a, in a very small window. But I think for the most part, there's, there's, there's plenty of good give guys opportunities who, who are starved at one club and can go and help another team. I think that's, that's, there's more, more positive than negative. There are pros and cons to every one of these arguments. I agree with you, Josh. And, and, and the, the, the financial arrangements and the salary cap dimensions are going to make things somewhat troublesome. But overarching all of that i reckon josh it's best to have a rule that gives players the opportunity to play at the highest level than deny them yeah for sure i, I couldn't agree more that's uh, i think that's the the number one thing with it is 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 giving more guys or, or putting guys in positions to to play afl and to be impactful and um you know i know kane's strong on the fact that you should build your list and and um, you've got the opportunity at the start of the year, but you know, let, we, we don't want luck playing a massive factor in in premierships and deciding finals. So I think it's a it's a great opportunity to uh, to bring it in. And hey, we're, we're part of our our industry is an entertainment as well, so it'll be very entertaining to follow it. That'll give us two chances to get him to Hawthorne. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Should Kenny stick to his guns and terrorise a tiger today at the G? Absolutely. <laughs> it was like the WWE, Jared. Um, there is a time when you actually say, right, focus ball. Uh, speaking from personal uh, situations, I found that you could go out and hunt the opposition. It's a different era, and that sounds crass and crude, but you could go out and hunt the opposition to, to inflict some physical damage on them but you weren't tracking the ball all that hard and it was very difficult to do both. Some players had the knack of like a Ross Lyon was a very good player who could track the ball, opportunity to present himself itself and he could just go bang and, and, and exact some uh, physical punishment on the opportunity. I don't think there are too many players like that in the history of our game. So I would say, yeah, make a target give the job to about three or four players to terrorise him within the rules just to that level of the boundary. And then once that moment's passed, you flick off. And until he sees you, you he presents himself at a stoppage in front of you again, you don't think of that player again. It's It's got to be mindfully impregnated into the psyche of the players who are doing that terrorising. Josh, how... How big a mental hurdle, let alone physical, would it be for jo Jesse Hogan at the moment? Second time navicular surgery and the and the long term rehab that comes with that. Yeah, I can only um, yeah, it's 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 difficult for him, and there's so many guys who have who have had to endure um, multiple stints in rehab, and it's a it's a very lonely place because almost everything you do is is individual. You you spend time. Basically, uh, you spend eighty percent of your time away from the group, so incredibly difficult for him. Um, I guess what 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 should and what I hope fills him with some sort of confidence and gives him some light is he knows that when and if he can get himself right, he's one of the premier forwards in the in the competition. And we've seen some of that this year. We've saw some good footy from him, and 
still a young man. So hopefully uh, that body holds up for him and, and he can get back and, and be the All-Australian caliber forward that, that he's capable of. Uh, here, here. Can I ask you, no one's really spoken to you, Josh, when your knee jackknifed backwards a little bit, what was yep. the immediate five or six seconds like after that? What were the first things that went through your head? Um, I, I, I didn't actually... The, I think most people say, oh, you know, have I done my ACL? I didn't really have any. I sort of went a little bit blank. I didn't have, uh, had some pain, so I didn't have any sort of thought process. And I guess I was lucky. The siren went uh, not long after, and the doctors were able to test my ACL out on the field. So um, I was, uh, they were able to, to, uh, to, to, to basically rule that out straight away. So I was quite lucky in that situation. Put you in a good frame. And, and out of 100, how's the knee now? Uh, 97. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Give it a half. Damn and it. a half. Damn yeah. it. Could the Giants miss the eight? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they can uh, get the wins required. It would be devastating if they did. They'd be the most talented list. Forget the eight. They'd be the most talented list not in the top four. They're, uh, they're, st they're still probably in the top two or three for pure talent on the list they're still probably it yeah toby green is captain could you have imagined that uh he's a ripper toby when you see him personally and there's a, a lot of commentary on players and the likes comes from afar and we don't really know and we well, the most commentary you'll hear about from afar is about who should be a coach and we've never met the person we've never heard them <laughs> speak to the group we don't know what they're like but just the way they played tells us whether they'd be a good coach or not Toby Green is a very wise-thinking football person and is he has that touch of menace about him. And if you'll notice with Toby, when he does one of these oh, dastardly little acts, he switches back onto the game fairly quickly, straight away. It, it flies by him very smartly. I think he could make a very good captain and might even take some of those over-the-edge dastardly acts out of his game. Sounds like Josh, he'll leave a group smiling after he's spoken <laughs> to them as well. Certainly will. He, uh, he certainly, uh, he's a do-as-I-do, not-as-I-say. That's the, that's the feeling you get from him anyway, so I've had a little bit to do with him. Certainly uh, love him on my side. Is Melbourne a good team having a bad season or is this the, the reality for them? There's no perfect team. Melbourne's a good team having a bad season. They do need to arrest a few problems. Uh, midfield and one up forward. They've got two... They don't have a number one string forward. Uh, McDonald is, uh, along with Josh Bruce, had this conversation the other day. Those two are perhaps the best number two forwards in the comp. They just don't have a number one in front of them. If you want to be a number one forward, you've got to have everything, but you have to have sideways movement and you have to have explosiveness and dynamic uh, um, aspects to your play. Uh, McDonald doesn't have those explosive attitudes, uh, uh, capabilities physically. That's just what he's born with. Is he a fantastic player? My word, he is. But you could imagine them how devastating he'd be if they had a number one. See, Jesse Hogan, I don't think, is exactly a number one forward for those reasons as well but he took the number one backman and I thought McDonald was the better off for it um, yeah so that would need to take place can Wiedemann become that player 
We're still yet to see. We've seen evidence that could suggest that's a capability, a possibility. Uh, and their midfield needs to be better at running both ways. Yeah, I think... And they're, they're, the midfield aspect is a solid pre-season of rectification, re mm -hmm. reprogramming. And I think they should be in pretty good nick. What can Brett Ratton do at St Kilda while he auditions over six weeks? One thing that you, you notice with all these teams, and, and, and I think the best case example is Reshaw. You get a spike, you get a, a, a good turn. People say, oh, they're going to respond for the new coach. Each time you get a new coach, he tweaks the game plan. He tries to keep loosely what the, the old coach had, because that's what they've been schooled and trained in, but he tweaks the game plan somewhat to put his stamp on it. North Melbourne, they tweaked theirs. Reshaw tweaked his. So for the first few weeks, you will get a few wins. You'll get a spike because the opposition haven't really scouted for what you're throwing at them, and that becomes your game style. After four or five weeks, the comp catches up to your game style and then they study on you. Then you've got to work out whether you can really catch. So, as I said, North Melbourne were the perfect case uh, study because he actually said, what are our assets? And he played best to those assets with North Melbourne. I think Brett will try and do the same with St Kilda. Josh, great to have you as part of Crunch Time. Good luck with that review. Thanks again, guys. Josh Good luck, Jenkins Josh. on a testing day. If you're heading to the footy, grab the footy record, the AFL record this weekend. Still just $5, thanks to Karcher, the official 2019 partner of the AFL record. Port and Richmond, Carlton and Gold Coast this afternoon. Dermot, great to have you Thank as part you of it. Thank you very much. See you, Jared. It's been crunch time for Honda See and for came. Subway. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91